Welcome to the Talk of Fame Network. I got a good deal on those boys. The scout said they showed a lot of promise. With your Hall of Fame voters. Don't act like you're not impressed. Ron Borges. You want to punch me right now, but you won't. Rick Gosselin. I don't know what we're yelling about! And Clark Judge. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Okay, Gooseman. Quick question for you. See how on top of your game you are? Is that applause you just heard for this week's Solar Eclipse A? Or B, Roger Goodell's expected contract extension? C, President Donald Trump's Super Bowl ring? Compliments of Ron's favorite owner, Robert Kraft. D, Christian Hackenberg's first completion? Or E, Ron's two-week vacation in Martha's Vineyard? plays easily the solar eclipse which by the way was a very entertaining watch for me on the weather channel wow yeah it was great ron did you see that did you see it i did i did see it but not the weather channel i'm alive and in person type <laughs> yeah, it was sort of a you know it's it funny here in new england i know it was like martha's vineyard ron but it's sort of a cloudy day I and mean, you could see it this sort of diffused light but uh, i didn't have the guts to look up there because i didn't have to solve the sunglasses because uh, i can't afford those two-week furloughs in places like uh, Martha's Vineyard, you know, places that Goose and I just can't afford. Well, that's true. I'm, I'm, you know, we all have to go into the places where we fit best, and I'm here with beautiful people, you know, you me, Obama, the various other rich guys, and then there's me delivering groceries to all of them, as I once did as a boy. I'll be playing golf with your pal Jeff Lurie pretty soon, though. <laughs> Clark, Clark, he used to be a man of the people. He used to. Yes, that's right. And, that's right. and then you got now, those blueberries. Now I say, the... who are the people? Yeah. <laughs> he got those blueberries on the uh, top uh, floor of the, was that Marriott, the JW or something? Oh, uh, those were in lovely, with cream. Oh. Well, okay, that's right. Well, it's going to be I a good week for you, Ron. And it could be a good week for uh, some guys in Canton, too, because it's early decision week. The senior contributor and uh, committees, subcommittees, are naming their candidates for the class of 2018. There are going to be two seniors and one contributor, and Rick and I are each going to Canton this week. And to help us preview what's going on, we have, yep, Hall of Fame linebacker Harry Carson of the Giants to talk about George Young, who's a contributor candidate, and one of the closest friends of former Chief star Johnny Robinson, who's a senior candidate. We're also going to be talking to the Arizona Republic's Kent Summers about Anquan Bolden, as well as check in with this week's Stay Your Case subject, none other than Brian Young. That's right, Brian Young, he is here with us today. So, Gooseman, you're first in the Canton. Any predictions? Well, with 79 all-decade position players in the senior poll, it's impossible to make a bad choice. Well, I have one. We're about to go to commercial. When we return, we'll talk seniors and contributors and what's likely to happen this week. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Oh, my goodness. I am tired of being known only as the guy who turns into a werewolf at the full moon. There's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Sure, they could save you money, but Geico also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. So you know people love them. And yeah, I become a man-beast once a month, but I become the world's greatest crepe chef every single Saturday morning. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. 
Probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Hey, before we get into the seniors and contributors, and as we said, there's a vote this week to determine just who they are for the class of 2018. <sighs> Sorry to bring this up, but what do you make of this Colin Kaepernick situation that just won't go away, Goose? I mean, now we have the NAACP threatening to boycott the NFL because he's not hired? Understand this. Kaepernick had a job. He had a contract. He had employment for this season, but he opted out of that contract with the 49ers last March. He walked away from work and a $14.5 million salary for the 2017 season. So I doubt the 49ers will be joining the NAACP boycott. Okay, Ron, I know I'm going to get a contra uh, argument from you, so I want to just <laughs> go back to what you said last week because I, I said, you know, if he has the right to express himself, and we all agree he should, he should, and, and he does, doesn't an employer also have the right not to hire him? And I remember your answer was, well, you know, that's what happened in segregation. Except this isn't a race that's being excluded. It's an individual, as Goose just pointed out. And it's, an, it's a, point, a point where, it, to me, if an employer doesn't like the way I dress, doesn't he have the right to deny me employment? I mean, as I said, this is an individual. This is not a race being excluded. It's Colin Kaepernick. D doesn't uh, someone have the right to deny him a job? Well, uh, again, I think, it, like with many of these things, where there's some splitting of hairs, an employer could indeed have a dress code, but he couldn't have a dress code that prevents uh, freedom of speech or religion, as in a hajib, for example, that had scarfed worn by Muslim women. They've lost that battle in court. Uh, a, a person cannot take your business in his own private business, for example, but he can't refuse to bake you a cake, a wedding cake, because you're, ga because you're gay. Same applies here. Now, if it can be proven he's out because he freely expressed uh, uh, he, he, you know, through free speech his opinion, uh, and there was no prior agreement to restraint, which uh, as exists in some employment contracts, uh, in particular journalists, many of us can't join political parties, supposedly, or things of that nature, then it's discrimination. Uh, plus, truth be told, we all know why he doesn't have a job, and it has nothing to do with his talent or lack thereof. Uh, but, but Goose is right. He had a job. He walked away from it. He walked away from that job. Well, I guess it's debatable whether or not in his mind he was going to get cut. So uh, we can d debate all day long okay. what they were going to do. Or what they were. You guys really think they were going to pay him $14 million this year? They were not. No, I don't. So he, he tried to get out. What he did, well, he didn't. It, it, see, that's, uh, you know, it's one of these things my father used to say, that's accurate but not the truth. He had a job uh, until they whacked him, which they were going to do. But they weren't, he was trying to get out when free agency started so he'd have a better chance to get a job. And they were going to keep well, him until that, that money was due, and then they were going to whack him. So I think we all know that this is kind of – look, the guy can't even get a job in Canada. You tell me that he's not better than at least one quarterback in Canada? I mean, come on. Yeah, but Canada? I, I, you're going to have a tough time proving collusion. You know, you and I know that. We might suspect it. You're going to have a tough time proving it. Anyway, this thing's not going away. Only got to prove it to, a, to uh, one judge or one jury. Yeah. I don't like the NFL's record in, uh, in court. It's not good. Pretty good on the field and, and at, the, uh, at the bank. Not so Wait a minute. You were judge. championing the NFL a year ago against Tom Brady. Come well, on. they won. They were right on that case. That they're not in this one. <laughs> they won on procedure, not on actually uh, the details of the case. Anyway, they won, and uh, he lost. Goose, yeah, and he won a Super Bowl. Goose, mm. you go into Canton this week to vote Thursday on the two senior nominees for the class of 2018. Yes, sir. Um, first of all, why don't you explain to our listeners exactly what constitutes a senior? Okay, when a player retires, he has a 25-year window for modern-era election. There's a five-year waiting period before he becomes eligible than a 20-year period when he is on the ballot. If those 25 years pass without his election, his candidacy moves into the senior pool, and everyone there is a long shot. 
there are past all-decade players, NFL MVPs, passing champions, rushing champions, receiving champions, Super Bowl MVPs, and we get to dent that list by just one or two senior nominations a year. And roughly how many candidates are you looking at? Oh, I've got, I've got a list of about 100 players that I think deserves to be discussed as seniors. But we, on the ballot this week, we have 15 names that we can discuss. Only wow. those 15. If you're not a finalist, you're not a candidate for the class of 2018. Okay. Well, I asked you this question last week, but I'm going to ask it again. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Favorites, leading candidates, dark horses to watch. What do you have? Well, I think the most deserving players in the senior pool, not in the Hall of Fame, remain Jerry Kramer, Johnny Robinson, Ken Anderson, Alex Garris, but, but these are names of players we've been discussing for years. I think Ken Riley, Harvey Martin, Randy Gratishar, Drew Pearson, George Coons also deserve to have their cases heard. Ron? Uh, well, I think, you know, Rob Brazil, the Oilers uh, linebacker, Dr. Doom, is uh, building up a lot of steam. Uh, you know, thanks primarily, I think, to the Houston's voter, John McClain, who does a great job for players that he, he feels are worthy. Uh, as I said, I think it's kind of wide open this year. It's a long list of nominees, to be yep. sure. Uh, some we've seen before, some we haven't. But I think in the end, it'll be interesting to see who they come out with. You guys have heard me talk before about Duke Slater, you know, uh, who I still don't understand what happened to him. You know, you're a finalist two years in a row, and then you just disappear off the face of the earth for 129 years or whatever it's been. You know, it's just kind of odd. Well, Ron, you're a member of that committee. Yes, sir. You're not going to be there. Good. No, I'm not. I'm a member yep. in good standing on Martha's Vineyard. Well, <laughs> standing the peak. you're standing, but not for the national anthem, right? Is that <laughs> no? I'm not. I'm not. Um, well, five of the nine persons on that committee are going to be flown in. Goose is one of them. You're not. You have any recommendations or last words for the Goose Man before he goes? Well, you know, again, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to sound like a broken record. Duke Slater, a hundred times over. Uh, I also have a soft spot for Jerry Kramer, as all of us do. Uh, but I think we all know that's not going to happen. So you know, I'd love to see someone come out of there too who hasn't had much of a chance before. Which, no surprise, makes me say, Cliff Branch. Shocker. Cue the Raider music, Derek. Holy smokes. <laughs> I, I didn't guess what, guys? He's open. <laughs> I, I didn't realize Duke Slater played for the Raiders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's move to the contributors. And, and this is the category, essentially, for anyone who is not a player or a coach. Um, there's one nominee that's going to be made, and that announcement will be Friday, August 25th. I'll be there, along with four other voters. And my guess is that you should probably watch out for what we'll call uh, the killer bees. Pat Bolin, Bobby Beathard, Gil Brandt. Uh, Pat, of course, is the owner of the Denver Broncos. Bobby's the former GM who rebuilt the Redskins and Chargers. And Gil, Gil's the former personnel chief in Dallas who just won't go away. He never quits. He's working for the NFL.com these days. And he's always around league events and helpful as ever. Uh, Ron, you're not on this panel. Who would you like to see emerge? Well, you know, Bucko Kilroy, I think, is, is uh, no one on the list contributed more to the long and successful history of the NFL and Bucko Kilroy, and he did it at every level. He was an all-decade player in the 40s. He was a coach. He was a longtime successful uh, scout and executive with the Redskins, the Cowboys, and the Patriots. And uh, Hall of Fame general manager Ron Wolf will tell you, uh, as he's said several times, uh, that in his, his opinion, there's nobody more deserving on, on any list than, than uh, Bucko Kilroy, and I think that should carry some weight. I think you might get a compromise candidate, though, because... Uh, uh, You've got the forces of Gil Brandt and the forces of Bobby Beathard all sort of digging in their heels and crashing head along, head on into each other. Uh, Clark will have a headache by the end of that meeting. So <laughs> I, I think you know I think it's going to be interesting at the end. I think it's eventually right now. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be kind of interesting to me uh, if somebody doesn't get it on the first ballot when it's right. sort of a three-two split. Then I think it could could get pretty interesting, and you may get a wild card. 
Okay, Gooseman, you are on the panel. You're not going to be there, but you are on the panel. It looks like a crapshoot where any of three, and maybe four candidates with George Young, an outside possibility. He mentioned a uh, compromise candidate. Maybe it's George. But anyway, where any one of them could emerge. Is there a favorite? Yeah, Clark, I really don't know what there is. Yeah, you'd think that owners uh, coming out of the committee these last two years, another owner might be a long shot. With a cowboy coming out last year, back-to-back -back cowboys might be a long shot. But frankly, there's not a bad candidate on this list. All are worthy, and I think all should eventually get in, not just as fast as any of them would like. Everyone wants now, but this is a process that screams wait. Okay, as you guys know, I mean, when that contributor candidate was a category, was created in 2014, the idea was a five-year plan with contributors and seniors would rotate, two nominees every other year, you know how it goes, two one year, one the other. Uh, and in the odd years, uh, it would be that the candidates would come from the... Um, contributors and in the even years it would come from the seniors but that ends in 2019 goose what happens after that well, i think there'll be a reevaluation of the committee there's a far deeper pool of worthy senior candidates and contributor nominees so i'd hope that they go two seniors and one contributor every year as opposed to the two one two one two one split and i would hope the hall also gives strong consideration to moving coaches into the contributor pool yeah i agree with you well He's not a contributor or senior, but Anquan Bolden, he has a lot of people talking. They're talking about the Hall of Fame. We're going to speak to Arizona Republicans. Ken Summers about it right after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Oh, my goodness. I am tired of being known only as the guy who turns into a werewolf at the full moon. There's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Sure, they could save you money, but Geico also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. So you know people love them. And yeah, I become a man-beast once a month, but I become the world's greatest crepe chef every single Saturday morning. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Hey, Rick Goslin. Yes, sir. Do you know what it means when the Talk of Fame starts telling you that it's brought to you by Geico? We're just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means I got to go make a phone call, and I'll talk to you guys in a little bit. Smart man. That's why we call him Dr. Data. Yeah, for more details, go to Geico.com. You should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, wide receiver Anquan Bolden, as you know, retired this week, and after a 14-year career that has him ninth in catches, 14th in yards, and 23rd in receiving touchdowns, there are some people, I don't think any on this program, but there are some, calling for him to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that's one reason why we've invited Hall of Fame voter Ken Summers, the Arizona Republic, to join us. Ken covered Anquan for much of his career and knows as much or more probably about him as anyone. Of course, the other reason we invited Ken is because we just like him. <laughs> hey, Ken, welcome back. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Anquan Bolden, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Kent. Uh, those two go together someday. Will they go together? And if not, why not? Wow, it's, a, it's an interesting case. To me, he's one of those borderline guys like uh an andre reed who's already in or a heinz ward who who isn't you know having covered him and while he was here and when he joined the team when this organization was horrible and how much it improved by the time he had left i tend to lean toward saying yes he is a hall of famer to me he's one of those guys you have to look beyond stats and numbers and and look you know did 
did the teams he were he was on did they get better did they improve because of him did he demand a level of excellence from his teammates that maybe wasn't there before all, all of those things certainly true with his seven years in Arizona Kent how did a guy like Anquan playing a speed position without any speed make it as big as he did <laughs> it's, it's a great question he he played with a with an anger and a fierceness that I, I don't think I've, I've ever seen. I mean, he actually scared teammates in his own locker room. They were at times scared to approach him about just, just how, I don't know, sinister he looked. In his younger days, he was very good running uh, after the catch. Just you, you, you could see his background from playing quarterback and running back in, in high school and court, a little bit of quarterback in college. I mean, he would ping pong off of people and make something out of nothing. And then you know, latter years, he just did it with guile, I think, and uh, just tremendous hands and, and great strength. He had such a, a great lower body strength that, it, it, I, you know, I think it carried him through all those years. I, I kept expecting this retirement announcement really for the last three, four years. I, I kept think, watching him play and thinking, Anquan, just retire. And then he, then he would put up decent numbers and, and get six or eight touchdowns a year and, and actually help a team and, and prove me wrong every year. You know, when I look at him, uh, Kent, he just strikes me, and I would never claim to know him anywhere near as well as you do, but he always looks, seems to me like sort of the classic aggregator guy. And I, and I, I use, for example, for me, is Kari Stremski in baseball, who I always felt had several Hall of Fame years, but he didn't have a Hall of Fame career, even though he's in there. He just was around forever. Is that a legitimate issue to raise with him, or is there something I'm missing? No, I mean, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, he, he was so dynamic, and I go back to – you know, the 2008 playoff run here, he had, a, he had a big play in the Super Bowl. I look at that 2012 Ravens team, and, I mean, he was, he was pretty close to dominant in, in those four games. I mean, it seemed like every time they had third and long and really needed something, Joe Flacco went to Anquan Bolden and two touchdowns in the, in the Super Bowl. So I, I think he was more than, a, than an aggregator. And, and I know just, you know, when, when, when he came here, the Cardinals were used to double-digit losses. And he, along with a few guys, I would say and Adrian Wilson, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, and Kurt Warner, really helped turn the mindset of this organization around. And it's, it's the argument I've made for Kurt Warner, you know, for a few years. I think you have to look at, at where they came and what they were, you know, what they put themselves into by getting drafted or signing with the team. You know, not everybody is fortunate enough to get drafted by the Patriots or to go play with a Peyton Manning straight out of their career. And Anquan, I mean, Anquan played his opening seasons with, you know, Jeff Blake and, and Josh McCown and a, and a series of other guys and, and still put up numbers. We're speaking with Hall of Fame voter Ken Summers, the Arizona Republic on the Talk of Fame Network. And you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at Talk of Fame Net. And Ken, let me ask you this. I understand what you're saying about Anquan Bolden, but if you had to stand in front of that group to make a presentation, and you would if he got into the final 15, how can you argue the case for a guy who's not all decade and was never once voted all pro? Yeah, I, I, I could argue. I mean, I think you could look at people who in the Hall of Fame who were never All-Pro. I don't know that Andre Reid was ever an All-Pro. Maybe only four times Pro Bowl. Anquan's got better numbers except for touchdowns. That's the case I could make. And he didn't have the you know the fortune to play with Jim Kelly his entire career. I would look at, at every stop. Did he make his teams better? And, you, you know, you can make the argument that he wasn't the team's number one receiver at times, but he, he certainly was his first three or four years here when Larry Fitzgerald was just peaking. And there were a few years where 
the debate in Arizona, and it was legitimate, which receiver does Arizona keep in the long term, Larry Fitzgerald or Anquan Bolden? And it wasn't, it wasn't a no-brainer. Um, you know, I look at what he did in Baltimore um, and, and then again in San Francisco where, you know, he played better than some of the notable high draft picks they made, Michael Crabtree, for instance. So I think you can make a strong case. Look, I, I, I'm not saying he's a, he's a no-brainer, this is an easy decision, or that, you know, he's going to even get in in his first three or four years of eligibility. But I'm, I, I think it's a guy certainly worthy of some healthy debate in that room. Ken, I was in Detroit for his first NFL game back in 2003 when he debuted with 10 catches for 270 yards, 17 yards and two touchdowns. I was there, of course, for Emmett Smith's debut as a Cardinal. They wound up losing that game. So what did you wind up writing that day, Anquan or Emmett? <laughs> I, wrote, I looked back at that this week when uh, Anquan retired. We, we wrote mostly about Anquan. <laughs> it was... And the thing about Anquan, after that game, after he gets more yards than anybody else in their pro debut, he he legitimately was dejected, not only because they lost, but because he had muffed a punt in that game that was one of numerous mistakes the Cardinals made. But he was blaming himself for that loss. The rest of us were like, wow, this, this team finally has a dynamic <laughs> offensive player. <laughs> you know, if he never gets into the Hall of Fame and, and he's – "Quote unquote relegated to the Hall of Very Good," which you you know you've heard me babble about that. Get in those meetings. To me, yeah. there's no shame in that being in the Hall of. You don't have to say that yes quite so convincingly about the babbling, but I know what you're saying. But you know, to me, <laughs> you know, to me, the no, Hall no. of Very, the Hall of Very Good is a substantial thing. You know, when I say that, I don't. You know, I'm not saying that you're some kind of slappy. Uh, do you think that a guy like Bolden would even under would would understand that 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 or would he just be I, like I some think, of these guys? Yeah, I mean, I. Obviously, he won't be happy about it, but I, I don't think he'd be one of these guys who is bitter and who lives and dies each year with the selection committee's uh, name, you know, I, I, or when they, when they meet. I don't think he's that guy. You know, I talked to Larry Fitzgerald the other day, and, and he, he said, you know, some people, he was talking about Kurt Warner, and he said the thing he might about Warner is he wasn't all consumed by the voting process. He didn't. You know, Larry said, I've had friends who just became very bitter and upset year after year when they didn't get in. And, and Kurt was like, you know, what more could I have done? And Anquan's a guy who has a ton of interest outside football, a lot of philanthropic work, you know, both in this country and overseas, especially in Africa. I don't I think he's a guy who's pretty well rounded. So I don't I don't think it's going going to consume him if that happens. Hey, Kent, we got to run here. Thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ken. You got it. All rise. Here comes the judge. <laughs> and, baby, once again, it's judgment day. Hey, that must mean me, huh? <laughs> it does. <laughs> I'm here with this week's State Your Case. Thank you, John Sterling. Brought to you by Progressive, where customers who switch to Progressive can save as much as $600. Just click on Progressive.com today. See if you can save hundreds on car insurance. Or, well... You could click on our website. That would be talkoffamenetwork.com and see why former San Francisco defensive tackle Bryant Young deserves to have his case heard by the call. And he does. Bryant Young was an all-decade defensive tackle who was named to four Pro Bowls and four All-Pro teams, was the 1999 Comeback Player of the Year after recovering from a career-threatening injury, and he won a Super Bowl. He also played on the league's number one defense in 1997. So he checked all the boxes. Or so it seems. He's been Hall of Fame eligible for five years now and isn't in the Hall of Fame. And, and I understand that this okay. I, I get it. What I don't get 
is why he's never been a semifinalist. You heard me, semifinalist ever. He's never been one of the top 25 choices in any year. So what you say? Well, so he had more career tackles and more career tackles for losses than Hall of Famer Warren Sapp. He also had just seven fewer career sacks. Yet Warren Sapp, he was the first ballot choice. Bryant Young, he can't even get through to the top 25. And guys, that's not just disappointing. It's wrong. I don't know why it's happening. Well, it's because he's a quiet guy who, unlike Warren Sapp, never tried to make noise or gain attention. Or it's the position he plays. Defensive tackle isn't exactly a sexy spot. Or because he wasn't a big sack guy, even though his stats compare favorably with Warren Sapp. What I do know is we had John Turney of Pro Football Journal on here last week saying Bryant Young was a more complete player than Warren Sapp. And I spoke with Hall of Fame general manager Ron Wolf this week who compared Bryant Young to John Randall. Now, when Ron was GM with the Packers, he knew they could not sleep on Bryant Young. He said so. Can't sleep on him. But you know what? The Hall of Fame voters have, and that's downright wrong. Clark, you covered Bryant during his peak with the Niners. When you watched him, did you think Hall of Fame? I, I thought extraordinarily good. I don't know about Hall of Fame, but he was the dominant defensive lineman there. I mean, they had Dana Stubblefield next to him, and Stubby got 15 sacks in 1997 and was the defensive player of the year. Then, of course, he goes on to Washington. And he got all the attention, but people inside there would say, hey, you know, the reason Stubby is getting those sacks is because they're, they're double and triple teaming BY. He's the guy you got to look out for. So I, I thought at that point, I wasn't really thinking Hall of Fame. I thought this is an extraordinarily talented and good guy. Well, we're going to hear from Bryant Young in the second half of the show. Yeah, we are. But first, we're going to hear from someone who needs no help to get to Kent. And that's Hall of Famer and former Giants linebacker, Harry Carson. He's coming up right after we break for commercial. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. The better you drive, the more you save. Bears and bats, they live in a cave, but that's irrelevant here. So back to the subject we steer. Snapshot saves you money when you drive safe. I wear corduroy pants. I don't mind that they chafe. The better you drive, the more you can save. With Snapshot from Progressive. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in all states or from all agents. Hey, it's Jim. I can't take your call right now. I'm digging for oil in my basement to help pay for my family's mobile bill. A little crazy, you say? <laughs> you try getting a data plan that has enough gigs for my family. And I thought braces were expensive. We definitely need a switch. Stuck in a dysfunctional family plan? Switch to Boost Best Family Plan right now and get four lines for just $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. With Metro PCS, you only get two gigs per line for the same price. Plus, switch today and get up to four free phones, all on the fast and reliable Sprint Nationwide Network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 9, 10, 17. Requires one line to port in. Lines include unlimited data, talk, and text. Video streams optimized at up to 480p plus resolution. Music up to 500 kilobits per second and cloud gaming up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization applies during congestion. Comparison based on Metro PCS's 2 gigabyte promo plan as of 425.17. For additional details, visit their website. Free phones while supplies last. Requires port in and activation on $100 plan. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. Wish summer would last forever? Ask Sherwin-Williams and save 30% on paints and stains during the endless summer sale, August 24th through September 4th. 
With colors like Picnic, Pressed Flower, and August Moon, you'll be surrounded by summer long after the leaves have changed. Your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams paint store is right around the corner. Find it at SherwinWilliams.com save. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. A good night's sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where MyPillow comes in, and now for a limited time, just go to MyPillow.com, click the Radio Listener Special tab, and use promo code SKY to get two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go-anywhere travel pillows, all for 50% off and free shipping. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1-800-635-1825. 1-800-635-1825. Hi, Tom Bodette, trying to align my chakras around this hot yoga thing. Yep, they finally found a way to make working out even more uncomfortable. Well, at least with Motel 6, you've got one less thing to sweat. They've got clean, comfortable, and now completely updated rooms at a great low price. So the only thing you're stretching is your dollar. Sounds like my kind of place to namaste. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light and the AC on for you. Book online at motel6.com. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Well, just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com, and you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, you know, there's been a lot of talk, and some of it here, obviously, in, in recent weeks about the Hall of Fame candidacy of former Giants GM George Young, who is up for the contributor spot this week. So we thought it would be a good time to reach out to someone who knows, and that's one of the game's best linebackers ever, Hall of Famer Harry Carson, who spent his entire career with the Giants and was part of one of the game's greatest core of linebackers, as well as being a nine-time pro bowler, six-time All-Pro, and Super Bowl champion. Harry, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, pleasure. Harry, I, I know when you first joined the Giants, and that was in 76, um, they were in the midst of, I'll call it a swoon, and I guess that's putting it politely. Um, they were last in the NFC East that year, the next season, and the following season. But when you left, they were one of the game's great powers. Uh, George Young took over that team in 1979. And he went on to become a five-time executive of the year. But I know some people out there say, you know, it wasn't George. It was Bill Parcells. How much credit should George Young be given for the turnaround of the New York Giants? Well, I certainly was never in the room when they were discussing draft picks and how to build a team. But if he's the guy at the top who is responsible for bringing in the personnel and changing really the culture of, of the team, uh, George deserves a tremendous amount of credit because it wasn't just Bill Parcells. It, 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 it had to be you know, in terms of personnel being brought in and being able to keep good players and, and you know, work trades that worked out for the organization. That's all George Young as far as I'm concerned. And um, he deserves quite a bit of credit. Harry, what was your first impression of George? You know, when I first saw George, he he reminded me of a college professor. You know, because <laughs> he had the uh, he had the horn rim glasses, a little pudgy, you know, a little balding up top, and um, you know, he he looked more like a professor 
than the general manager of the New York Giants. And, um, you know, George and I have had, we, we had some conversations, some, you know, contract-related, some just in, in, um, just in, in passing. And, and the thing that I appreciate about George is he was such a, a, a decent and honorable person. Even though we had our battles when it came to contracts and so forth, I, I think George and I had a relationship, and the relationship was one in which, you know, he was from the Baltimore area. He had coached down in the Baltimore area. I, I, I knew a doctor friend who uh, played for George, uh, you know, years ago. You know, he's just a, a very decent and honorable individual. And one of the things I think that impressed him about me was I always took time, you know, during football season, since I was able to vote, I always took time to vote. And it was an absentee ballot because I was always in the New York area. And I think George admired that about me, that I would take the time to make my vote count, even though it was an absentee ballot or whatever. Uh, you know, he admired that, and, and I admired him. And, you know, I got to know George on a much different level, like like I said, from, you know, uh, just talking with him about just, you know, small, mundane things. And he had a sense of humor. I remember when I was up for renegotiation for my last contract, and it was a little contentious. And... um George walked into the training room and I was lying on the table and just to get on his nerves, I, um, you know, there was a, there was a uh, tube of Vaseline that they used to, you know, that the trainers use for, you know, first aid or whatever. And I grabbed the Vaseline and I said, George, here, catch. And I threw it to him <laughs> and he said, oh, Harry, what am I going to do with that? I said, George, if you're going to screw me, I don't want you to make it hurt. <laughs> and so, as, as I said, it, it's interesting that we had a, a very harmonious um, relationship because he was the guy who, uh, you know, my agent was seeing in regards to was negotiating with in regards to my my contract. But I genuinely liked him. I, I liked what he did with the organization. I, I liked the fact that the commissioner could reach out to him when neither parties of, of the Maras were able to communicate with one another. And Tim Maras' family wasn't communicating with Wellington Maras' side of the family. And, you know, it was like, sort of like a war zone, but he was the guy who was put in charge of riding that ship and um you know i admired that i admired uh the picks that he made uh especially you know bringing in lawrence taylor and um eventually uh bringing in carl banks and gary reasons to make the linebacking core that I, I, that i was a part of one of the you know best linebacking cores in in the national football league um, one of the things that always stood out with George and his wife, Lovey, is whenever we had a, a game out of town, 
and we'd fly back into Newark Airport, Lovey would be at at the gate or or at the, in the concourse waiting for George. And I used to think to myself, how could this little overweight, chubby, professor-looking guy have this gorgeous woman waiting on him? Uh, you know, every time you know he, he came in from a, from a trip. So I always admired that. And like I said, I I I just appreciated the person that George was when I decided that I was going to uh, retire prior to the uh, 1988 season. I invited George out to lunch. And so we went to lunch, and I said, George, I got two things I want to tell you. He said, oh, Harry, what is it now? I said, well, this is my last year, and I want more money. <laughs> he said, okay, and no. And that was it, you know. And we just went ahead, and we enjoyed our, our lunch, and that was it. But, um, you know, he was, he was a great guy. His first pick, of course, Harry, as you know, was Phil Simms, uh, and that – there was a lot of booing that day. They got panned in the, in, mm-hmm. the, in the media that day. You got hammered by the press in New York. What did you think of it, of the pick when you first heard of it, and what did you think of Sims when you first saw him? Well, I, I thought that um, he wasn't a high-profile quarterback, but they must knew something that everybody else didn't know. They had to have known um, the, the quality level of, of a Phil Sims if he's putting behind a, a good, solid offensive line. It didn't necessarily work out initially. You know, Phil was hurt kind of often early in his career, but when he got things rolling, you can understand why they chose Phil Sims as the quarterback to lead the team into the into the. Um, you know, I was there when uh, there was a possibility that uh, Bill Parcells was going to be terminated after the uh, 1983 uh, football season when the team went three twelve and one. And, um, you know, George was willing to uh, work, work through the situation, give Parcells another opportunity to do things his way. Again, you can just say the rest is history. Parcells brought the ship. He made changes that needed to be made. And uh, we went on to, you know, a couple of uh, playoffs and then on to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you look at personnel and, and, and who brought it in and, and you know, what happened during the 80s. And even now, if, um, you know, somebody in heaven asked him, you know, do you think that you should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? He probably would say, oh, you know, I don't need that to validate me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the reality is, I, I think that he does. He, he does warrant. Uh, at least very serious consideration uh, for being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he was a quality individual. He made really good choices in terms of uh, the giant organization. And, um, you know, I, I think it, he's responsible for, uh, you know, two, at, at least two championships that the uh, New York Football Giants have had. Plus, he, he basically sort of fixed that franchise, it seemed, because it's, it's had success and a lot of success since then. Uh, I know... Yeah, I, I, know. I, I, so I, I think that he, he did it in his own unique way. He didn't, he didn't go out and do a lot of press conferences and all of that stuff. He was quite behind the scenes. He, like I said, he's just a quality individual, and um, I enjoyed my experience uh, working with him. 
he was a man of his word, and he cared about you as a person, not necessarily solely as a football player, but uh, he was he was certainly good for the game, and I think he was really good for the NFL and obviously good for the New York Football Giants. We're speaking with Hall of Fame linebacker Harry Carson on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at at talkoffamenet. And Harry. Um, since Ron asked you about um, Phil Sims, I'm going to ask you about somebody else, another draft pick, 1981 draft pick, a guy named Lawrence Taylor. Y- you've been there for years. So what did you think when he first showed up, and, and you got to look at him? What did you think when you saw this guy? Well, when he first showed up, you know, actually prior to the draft, we got word that the Giants were looking at a linebacker, and I'm like, why do we need another linebacker? You know, we're pretty good. I mean, Brad Brian Kelly, and myself, we're a pretty good group of linebackers. And we thought we probably needed a um, running back more so than, than a linebacker. And so when they brought Lawrence in, it didn't take us long to realize what the whole deal was all about. And, um, you know, he's such a master at what he did on the football field. Uh, that he just uplifted everyone. He made everybody else better on the football field. And you couldn't help but be better because, you know, when you sat on your helmet and you watch, you know, players go through one-on-one drills and you see him going up against a running back or a, a lineman, it was like a, um, a, a I, I don't want to say a ballerina, but someone – uh, scripting things as they as they went along. It wasn't anything he thought about ahead of time, but he was really just the genius of, you know, develop, de- de- developing plays or, or the thought of what move is he going to make to beat this block. And, um, you know, he was a, a great player, smarter than most people would give him credit for. They, most people would think that he was just a physical player, but he was more cerebral than most people would truly, truly believe. And he had a, certainly had a passion for the game. And obviously, you know, you look at, uh, you know, some of the stuff that he may have done off the field, but on the field, he was all about business. He was all about winning, and he was all about being the best. Harry Carson, thanks so much for the time. And you know what? Thanks for the help with George Young. Really appreciate it. Okay, you're quite welcome. That was Hall of Fame linebacker Harry Carson, New York Giants. Up next, it's a two-minute drill. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is Drew Pearson, the original 88 with the Dallas Cowboys, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. We're also brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number or just bring your own. To see how it works, just go to grasshopper.com. Hey, this is John Lynch, 49ers general manager, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. goodness, I am tired of being known only as the guy who turns into a werewolf at the full moon. There's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Sure, they could save you money, but Geico also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. So you know people love them. And yeah, I become a man beast once a month, but I become the world's greatest crepe chef every single Saturday morning. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, 
Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. We've got plenty of respect in here for GEICO because the Stockholm Network is brought to you by GEICO. Just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Hey, Goose, I know that signal. That's the signal Ron is going. Ken Stable on us and running this week's two-minute drill. So, Ronnie, I mean, uh, Snake, let's get to it. Hey, boys. Brian Bodie Calhoun's hit on Odell Beckham Jr. Cheap shot or not? Receivers chop defenders that knees all the time at blocks. What goes around, comes around. Yeah, Ron, we're going to have to wait to hear from the judge and jury, i.e. Roger Goodell. Hugh Jackson said he hoped his Cleveland Browns wouldn't pr- protest the national anthem. Next game, 12 of them did. Are they tone deaf or is Hugh? Either they don't expect you to be there in a few months or they don't expect to be there in a few months. Neither, Ron. They're the Browns. ESPN.com now publishes a list of game day protesters. Is this a new form of sabermetrics or saber rattling? Sabermetrics? How about clickbait? Neither, Ron. It's a waste of time. Broncos coach Vance Joseph named Tre- uh, Trevor Simeon the quote-unquote clear winner over Paxton Lynch in Denver's quarterback race. How many guys does Simeon have to beat out before he has a secure job? One more. The next quarterback the Broncos take with a first-round pick. One himself. Tom Brady was among many players who watched the Eclipse mon- on Monday. Is football no longer important to him? He's been watching NFL defense for 17 years. He can learn more these days watching the moon than watching tape. Yes, it is, Ron. But as you know, once you turn 40, that was a long time ago. Getting out of bed is more important. On the flip side, Raven coach John Harbaugh made his team watch film during a natural occurrence that happens once every 100 years. Will Banny and the Eclipse watching help him win? On the flip side, will watching the Eclipse won't help the team win either. And Eclipse of the roster might work better. If you were Anquan Bolden, would you retire rather than play in Buffalo? He must not have been able to get Sabres season tickets. I would, and I have. The Jets have a three-man quarterback race. Do they have a quarterback? Is Joe Namath one of them? Yes, siree, but he still plays for USC. Who has worse job security? Luke McGowan, Bryce Betty, Chris Ackenberg, or Todd Bowles? It's certainly not Luke McCown. He's the only one not with the Jets. <laughs> yeah, anyone who's a quarterback, because they're the first to go when Sam Darnold shows up. That is the end of our first hour, but don't go anywhere. We have more on Johnny Robinson and a sit-down with former 49ers defensive tackle and now Atlanta defensive line coach Bryant Young. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Welcome to Geico's Motorcycle Meanderings. Oh, man, this is great. I sure saved a lot of money by switching to Geico. Scored some big savings, and now I can use their mobile app 24-7 for all sorts of stuff. Life just makes sense now. You know what doesn't make sense? If a car is called a horseless carriage, why isn't a motorcycle called a horseless horse? Hmm. Maybe it would just be adding insult to injury for the out-of-work horses. Geico Motorcycle. Savings that make sense. There's people who care where I'm going. Good friends who welcome me home. So get a full tank of freedom. Drive the American road. And with a full tank of freedom, find your own highway. We'll take you wherever you go. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Hey, it's Jim. I can't take your call right now. I'm digging for oil in my basement to help pay for my family's mobile bill. 
A little crazy, you say? <laughs> you try getting a data plan that has enough gigs for my family. And I thought braces were expensive. We definitely need a switch. Stuck in a dysfunctional family plan? Switch to Boost Best Family Plan right now and get four lines for just $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. With Metro PCS, you only get two gigs per line for the same price. Plus, switch today and get up to four free phones, all on the fast and reliable Sprint Nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 9 10, 17. Requires one line to port in. Lines include unlimited data, talk, and text. Video streams optimized at up to 480p plus resolution. Music up to 500 kilobits per second and cloud gaming up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization applies during congestion. Comparison based on Metro PCS's 2 gigabyte promo plan as of 425.17. For additional details, visit their website. Free phones while supplies last. Requires port in and activation on $100 plan. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. You are listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Put this thing on, because it's getting ready to be on. With Ron Borges. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. Rick Gosselin. No, 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 no. There's two O's in Goose. What? And Clark Judge. Hold the wrong hole! Hold the wrong <laughs> The Talk of Fame Network is holding the rope. That rope is brought to you by GEICO. Just 15 minutes can save you 50% or more in car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. Yeah, you should have gone 15 minutes ago. You guys, I don't know about you. I can never get enough of that intro. And and for all of you listening out there, you should know it's the work of our producer, and that would be Derek Burns, who is our nominee, our nominee for the Talk of Fame Network's George Martin Award. Goose, you can explain to Goose when we're finished, to Ron when we're finished, who George Martin is. Um, Derek has done all of our intros and edits over the last two years. And, you know, sadly, and I mean sadly, this is our last show with him. And Goose, man, I'll be honest. I, at least, am really going to miss him, especially especially when it comes to the next Super Bowl win for New England, which would be 2018. There's Homer Simpson, Homer Borges, <laughs> and Homer Burns. When it comes to Patriots, Clark, we are surrounded by Homers. Well, Ron, I know you got tired of Derek and I saying, I told you so, I told you so, but what else are you going to miss about our fourth Horseman. Well, the thing I'll miss the most about Derek is the dulcet tones in my ear saying, <laughs> Shut <what>? up already! <laughs> 15 <laughs> seconds to go, you dope! What the hell are you doing rambling on like an old coot, you old coot? Cut it off! He was the, the best. What tones? <laughs> dulcet, dulcet tones. That's what happens when you go to Martha's Vineyard. Hey, uh, Derek, time to turn on your mic. Derek, turn on your mic. Anything you have to say to us other than what John just said, hey, you got 15 seconds to go, or, or maybe this. I think that's about it, guys. <laughs> oh, that's over and out, huh? Oh, my God. Well, Ron, he's got blisters on his fingers, but uh, those fingers, you know, they, they could be in for some kind of treat here because President Trump, I mean, he got a Super Bowl ring from the Patriots, your team, your yes. owner. Any chance you can get one for Derek? I can say there's a better chance I can get one for Derek than I can get one for myself. Uh, <laughs> but more likely, I get uh, I can get him fitted for a pair of uh, I can get fitted for Patriot handcuffs. And Derek, on the other hand, would probably prefer handcuffs. But I'm going to go for the nose ring. I think <laughs> the Patriot nose ring, perfect. Derek, would you wear that Patriots nose ring? That's probably uh, that's probably a little bit too much pain that I want to take right now. You know? <laughs> After two well, years Ron, with us, that's no pain at uh, all. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Derek, we're going to miss you. You made this job easy, and you made it sound better thank than we guys. ever I'll could. So you thank too. you, and stay in touch. We are. And before you tell me to close it quickly, let me say we have interviews this hour with Johnny Robinson's closest friend and with former 49ers defensive tackle Bryant Young. They're coming up right after this. Oh! 
goodness, I am tired of being known only as the guy who turns into a werewolf at the full moon. There's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Sure, they could save you money, but Geico also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. So you know people love them. And yeah, I become a man-beast once a month, but I become the world's greatest crepe chef every single Saturday morning. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. What the hell are we waiting on? Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges. Do you want it or not? Rick Goslin. Do you understand there's a price to pay? And Clark Judge. Can we have fun? You're damn right. I demand that we have fun. We demand you look at GEICO because the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO. It's just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. more details, go to GEICO.com. And you probably, yeah, you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. Well, as you know, mostly because we've been hammering it, it's Seniors and Contributors Week at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. With voting on the class of 2018 nominees, that's going to be this Thursday and Friday. Two senior candidates and one contributor will emerge. And one guy who could, and we think should, have some momentum is former Kansas City safety Johnny Robinson. He was a member of the all-time all-AFL team and one of the best ever. AFL, NFL, doesn't matter his position. And we tried to get him this week, but because Johnny isn't feeling well, we did the next best thing. We got one of his closest friends, and that would be Smokey Stover. Now, like Johnny, Smokey played on the Dallas Texans. In fact, he was a linebacker on the team that went to that 62 double overtime game with Houston. That was a good one. And like Johnny, he was with the Chiefs from 63 through 66 and won the 66 AFL Championship. Then he went to Canada. Guess what? Won a great cup with Hamilton in 1967. Hey, Smokey, three championships in two yes, states sir. and one province. What's your secret? Well, I was at the right place at the right time. <laughs> I guess you were. Okay, well, we're talking about Johnny Robinson here. Um, he's been a Hall of Fame finalist before, in fact, six times, but he's never been elected. What are voters missing? That, I wish I could answer that, but... Uh, Knowing the guy, playing with the guy, watching him know how football runs, Johnny was one of the most smartest players I ever played with. He knew what was happening before it happened. And uh, I just, it really kind of puzzles me that he didn't go into the Hall of Fame uh, a lot sooner. And I, I wish him a lot of luck and I hope. Uh, I hope he gets it this time. That's a long time ago, over 30 years, in fact. Are you concerned that people have just forgotten about him? Well, that's always a possibility, but uh, gosh, uh, you know, you, you look at the, the records, and there always people are looking at the records. I mean, it's very outstanding when you see what he has, what he did during his tenure of, of, of professional football. And even in, uh, in college, I mean, if you go back that far, here in Louisiana, that's uh, Johnny Robinson is a is a legend. I mean, he's uh, everybody knows Johnny Robinson from you know ten years old up to you know way up there. But uh, he's uh, he should be there. He really should. Well, you know, uh, Smokey, there's people who believe, uh, and I'm one of them, uh, that he's a sort of a victim of almost a conspiracy against AFL players. You know, for a long time on the Hall of Fame committee, they had 12 NFL votes and eight former AFL cities had votes and no AFL guys really got through. Then time passes and, and you tend to forget. Do you believe that, that Johnny and maybe other NFL AFL players uh, like Gino Capaletti, who's the all-time leading scorer in that league, 
were unfairly treated by the Hall for a long time? Well, I have to agree with you. I, believe, I have had conversations uh, with people about that, and the uh, majority of the guys that I know that were not, you know, football players or anything, they, they but were up to date on football and what was happening, you know, they, they, they think some of the earlier players, like you say, the AFL, that was one of the holdbacks on them. And uh, then after, like you say, time has passed and people forget him. But, guy, I tell you, people here in Louisiana still know Johnny Robinson. All you got to do is mention the name, you know. And uh, he's well-liked. He's, uh, and he's a, a top-notch guy. Uh, I've known him for a long time. Now, Smokey, few people know that Johnny actually started out as a running back on the Chiefs and had pretty good success catching the ball and running the ball. Why did Hank move him to defense in his third season? Well, uh, actually, I think he, we were weak in the secondary, and Johnny kind of wanted to move in back to, to the defense, and I think he and Stram had a little talk, and when it came out, uh, Johnny was moved back to the defensive back, and uh, and Johnny told me one time that one reason he really would want to get back on the defense, he thought his longevity would last a lot longer than the running back. And uh, well, he he proved the point. He had a long long career and a very successful career. We're speaking with former Chiefs linebacker Smokey Stover, who's a close friend of senior candidate Johnny Robinson, and we're doing it on the Talk of Fame Network. And you can find the show on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com. Smokey, um, I know, as you said, you, you speak to him fairly frequently. Does he ever talk to you about the Hall? I mean, do you get a sense that it's something that frustrates or confounds him? I guess what I'm asking is, does he or, or, or does anyone really understand why he's not in? Well, I know a lot of people that can't understand why he's not in, but I've talked to Johnny. In fact, I talked to him uh, yesterday. Uh, he's been ill. But uh, he didn't, you know, he, he has no qualms. He, he just thinks it's the way it happened. And, you know, it just came out this way. And, and he, like I say, he has no ill feelings about it or, you know, cursing and stomping the ground or nothing like that. He's pretty cool-headed all about it. And he, he understands what's going on. And, uh, you know, he, he's taking it as, as it comes. Well, Smokey, you know, uh, Chiefs historian Bob Moore, who I know knows you, uh, and he's a good friend of ours as well, he, he tells me <laughs> that you have a great story about the first tryout camp with the Texans. And I'm not talking about the Houston Texans. I'm talking about the Dallas Texans. You want to tell us about it? Well, the, my story is that I went up as a running back, too, but they moved me to defense, to linebacker. And we were in training camp in Roswell, New Mexico. We had three a days, four a days, and I lost so much weight. I've gotten down to about 188 pounds. And when all the cutting was done, they still had one extra linebacker. And I figured I was going to get cut because I was, I, I was so damn skinny. What I did, uh, my roommate, Walt Corey, and I, Went and got two 10-pound weights. We knew we was going to have a, our last weigh-in before we broke 10. <laughs> and I took those 10-pound weights, and I put them under my arms, and Walt Corey took the elastic bandage, and I mean he wrapped me around that damn thing, and I put a T-shirt on about a 4 triple eight, I mean L, uh, size line, and it swallowed me. 
I got on the on the, on the, uh, the 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 scale and it weighed me two oh five, and uh, <laughs> I, after that I made the team and I went and told the coach that weighed me in. I told him what I had done after the season, you know, and he started to laugh and he said, "You're not going to believe this, but Stram and I." had a knockdown drag out over you and your weight because Stram said he can't weigh that much. He's a stick. He's a stick. He can't weigh that much. And Coach uh, Walsh said, oh, yeah, I weighed him. He weighs that much. And that's that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I made the team and played seven years after that. <laughs> well, you should have put a 25-pound weight. They would have moved to the nose tackle. It would have been perfect. You know? <laughs> but if you see me, and uh, I was uh, I was a string bean. I mean, I was. I mean, we had three. I can say three days. And Roswell, New Mexico, wasn't too favorable weather. If you know what I mean. When when you tell stories like that about you know three a days and 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 that kind of thing, and you see what the NFL is doing today, where they can't have more than about three padded practices in a row before everybody has to go to the circus for two days and all that, what do you what do you what do you think of today's football as opposed to what you guys went through? I tell you what, I think they're really pampered nowadays. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can't blame them. They you know we've come a long ways, but. Uh, I think a lot of them, if they'd had to go go through what we did in the AFL when we first got started and everything, there probably wouldn't be a lot of them playing. You know, I mean, it. it I mean, it, it, you just can't imagine what we went through. To, you know, in Roswell, New Mexico, and I know some of the other teams went through the same thing. Also, people coming and going, and I mean, running sprints until you were blue in the face. You know. But that's how they got their teams together. Hey, Smokey, thanks so much for the time. And please, please pass on our best wishes to Johnny. I sure will. And thank you for calling me. And uh, good luck. Thanks, Smokey. Thanks, Thanks, Smokey. This former linebacker, Smokey Stover, coming up. It's Rick and Ron in another Town Hall Debate. Another reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. goodness, I am tired of being known only as the guy who turns into a werewolf at the full moon. There's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Sure, they could save you money, but Geico also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. So you know people love them. And yeah, I become a man-beast once a month, but I become the world's greatest crepe chef every single Saturday morning. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Hey, just a reminder, Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO. With just 15 minutes, we save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And you probably, yeah, probably should have gone when, Ron? 15 minutes ago, I'd yes, say. Yes, sir. 15 minutes ago. You were correct, sir. Hey, Gooseman, before we get started here, you know, uh, a couple of segments ago, I was talking about the George Martin Award that we've given our producer, Derek Burns, who's uh, leaving us. We're separating. Ah, it's, it's killing me. But uh, we give him the George Martin Award. Now, you had a different connotation. I'm thinking George yeah, Martin I'm, Beatles. You're thinking what? I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. Derek scratches it. We're thinking George Martin Defensive end who won no. the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, that, fifth that's, Beatle. Fifth oh, Beatle. Please. No, George Martin, producer. Uh-uh. 
Sorry there. Um, and sorry for the confusion, guys. But this is a football show. Fifth and Beatle, who we, knew? <laughs> who knew? George Martin knew. Um, and speaking <laughs> of football, Which we Martin? have an interesting poll up on our website this week. That website would be talkoffamenetwork.com. And, and you know what? This just in, guys. Anyone out there can vote if you just log on. That's yep. talkoffamenetwork.com. Anyway, the question this week is, what was the most memorable exhibition game in NFL history and, and you do have choices wow. believe it or not you do including many from the 1960s um, and Goose I'm just wondering any chance we want to add that one the other night where uh, OBJ and the Giants got a scare or maybe maybe speak of the Giants the Jason Seahorn kickoff return game against the Giants Ugh. please this is not a New York poll it's a national poll <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, my favorite my favorite is the 63 college all-star game that was the last time the all-stars beat the Packers beat Lombardi's best team and uh, I think they went 13 more years without winning a game. Lombardi wasn't real happy with that one. How about, how about this, guys, for a big exhibition game? Most devastating exhibition game I ever saw. Patriots lost their best pass rusher starting defensive end, their hall, future Hall of Fame linebacker, and their starting corner in nine minutes in a game against the Packers. Season wow. over. Wow. Nine minutes oh. gone for the hey, year. Ron, that 63 All-Star game he's talking about, I wasn't born then. How about you? Did you see? Do you remember anything about that? I, I don't know. Yeah, Thorpe and I were watching that game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gooseman, you also, you just put the wraps on last week's poll, which was a good one too, and that was who should be the number one pick in fantasy football. This one's close to my heart. Ezekiel Elliott, I think, would be the slam dunk winner if he weren't suspended, but of course he is, for now at least, uh, six games. So who won, and do you agree? When I played and dominated fantasy football in the 90s, running backs were always my ticket. And apparently they still <laughs> dominated. are. Because dominated, Arizona's David dominated. Johnson, Pittsburgh's Le'Veon Bell finished 1-2 and two ahead of all the quarterbacks, all the runners. Johnson won the vote, but my voter for Bell, under the rule, always vote for the best spark on the ballot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what a honk. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'll tell you, uh, I, I, I eschew running backs, as they say. You like that word? Eschew. 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 Yes, I have a shoe. Two shoes. I like Rob Gronkowski. I get it as a gamble because he could get hurt. And I know fantasy players love running backs, even though NFL coaches don't. Uh, but if Gronk stays in one piece, that guy's going to have many, many touchdowns. Many, King many, many right touchdowns. In. King huh? the right in vote. Well, yeah, that's right, Ron. I'm going. That's exactly England. right. Bobo. As you know, Ronnie, uh, I, I'm a man of the people, so I voted with the you people. Are? Yeah, I voted for David Johnson. Listen, more touches, more yards, more touchdowns. Very simple. Okay, uh, something else that's simple is our town hall meetings, you know, where I throw those questions at you guys and, and you debate them. And our producer, Derek Burns, yeah, he, he will hit you with this. Mm. If you start figuring, um, the original respondent, as you know, has 45 seconds to make a case. Then there's a 30-second rebuttal, 15-second close. It's pretty easy. You guys have done this before, so you know the drill. So, any questions? Let's get ready to rumble! Here we go, guys. In honor of Seniors and Contributors Week, we're staying on topic and dealing with those subjects. So, Rick Oslin, first one's for you. Jerry Kramer has been a finalist 10 times and hasn't reached Canton yet. Both he and his legions of fans are frustrated. If you were chairing the Jerry Kramer to Canton committee, how would you handle his candidacy to convince voters that they should change their minds? Well, I would harp on the fact that the same Hall of Fame selection committee that picked Kramer as the best guard in the game's first half century is now keeping him out of Canton. I'd also hammer the hall. If you're not going to stand behind these all-star teams that you select, then stop picking them. That's all you really have. 
He's been in the room 10 different times over a span of three decades and been voted down by different groups of writers and broadcasters each time. Throw the guilt at the hall for his absence, not the voters. Now for the homer, Ron. Well, as you guys know, I'm a big Kramer supporter. However, as Goose mentions, I don't know how you can not notice 10 times he's been voted out. At some point, you have to abandon ship and accept that the voters have spoken and spoken and spoken over different uh, generations of voters. Uh, I think uh, trying to change their mind at the nominating committee uh, meeting is fine, but unless you're sure that you've got 38 votes uh, to bring them forward, I think you really have to ask yourself, who are the other men that you're denying by continually bringing him back? I'd bring him out one more time. Say, this is it, people. Final time. Either he's in or he's not. Okay. Ron Borges, you're next. Robert Kraft, your favorite owner, is one of two owners among the front runners for the contributor nomination this week. So why should he get it? Well, first off, he literally saved football in New England. Uh, That team was headed to Jacksonville, and he blocked them by using a stadium lease. Then they were headed to St. Louis, but he blocked them again by using a stadium lease. Then he refused a $75 million buyout to let them go to St. Louis, uh, and he ended up buying the team, infused them with cash and good management, built a state-of-the-art stadium with no private funding, uh, and then a team that's won five Super Bowls and gone seven times. Uh, The same team that had a winning percentage of around 290 uh, when he inherited them. But that, to me, isn't, isn't really enough, even though it prevented a huge... A problem because if they had lost Boston in the AFC, there would have been really had to be either realignment or given money back because they would have had only one major TV market. But that's not really the reason. Oh God, I got another uh, thirty seconds Goose to man. go. Man, even the reason we're even talking craft is the five rings. So who's more important in those five championships, Brady, Belichick, or Kraft? If it's Kraft, then we need a longer discussion on Brady and Belichick. Would <laughs> Bob Kraft be a candidate if he had been owner of the Jaguars or Chiefs these last 20 years? Give someone credit for all the winning, but not everyone. <laughs> I laugh at these kinds of things. If he had owned the Jaguars, they'd be the Patriots. They'd be in seven Super Bowls. Look, the, the, the guy has done a ton of things for the league as well as for his team. I tend to agree with it. If you did something for your team, so what? Uh, he was instrumental in, in settling the lockout. Uh, he was very uh, important in the TV things because of his pals, his partnership and, and friendship with Rupert Murdoch. Uh, the guy's done a, a lot of things for this league as well as for uh, for his team. Where's and the I buzzer? Think he, where's, where's the where buzzer? He, he wins. Is Derek loves the Patriots. Jeez, Good the job, buzzer? Derek. Is there a nice shot job, Derek? Really oh, needed. my God. With all that blocking that Kraft's been doing, maybe we should put him in as a senior nominee. Hey, Rick Osen, you're next, and we're on the clock. You heard Smokey Stover make the case for former Chief Safety Johnny Robinson. Why should the senior committee bring out another safety when it just gave us Kenny Easley? Because safety is tied with tight end for the fewest players in can eight apiece. There's only one tight end on the field. There are two safeties. There Have there been 27 offensive tackles better than the ninth-best safety? Have there been 29 receivers better than the ninth-best safety? How about 19 guards better than nine? Or 47 running backs better than ninth best safety? You know, even with easily going in, there's an imbalance that is still a long ways from being corrected. You could bring out a safety each of the next three years, and I would have no problem with it. Thank you for that buzzer. Should have come sooner. Uh, <laughs> look, I don't think it's about positions. It, yeah, or, last question. Or, <laughs> it should be about the best the best player. Who's the best candidate? If it's Johnny Robinson, bring him out. Uh, if it's not, bring out somebody else. Uh, I, I think we, we have to think less about that stuff and more about who's really the best candidate. What a Well, thank you, gentlemen. And that means it's time for our, our answer man. They have to talk of Aime Network's answer man, a.k.a. Rick Gosselin, a.k.a. Dr. Data. 
and he's here with the help of Motel 6. Just click on to motel6.com, and guess what? Goose will leave the light on for you. Absolutely. He's going to leave the light on for you. Goose, what do you got? Uh, these NFL preseason games may be meaningless, but not the results. And I'm not talking about the wins and losses. I'm talking about the reason NFL coaches fear playing these three-quarter speed exhibitions. Players are at risk. Good players. Starting players. Coaches may limit their time in the field in these games, but that doesn't limit the risk. The Detroit Lions have already lost their top pass rusher for the season. And Kerry Hyder went down in the opener with a torn Achilles. And the Lions weren't alone in their week one woes. Washington lost a nine-sack chunk of their pass rush with outside linebacker Trent Murphy suffering a torn ACL. San Diego's leading tackler Denzel Perriman also missed the season on injury reserve with torn ankle limits. Then in the second week of the preseason, the Seattle Seahawks lost their left tackle George Fant for the season with a torn ACL. He's a guy that protects Russell Wilson's blind side. Ron's Patriots used a third-round draft pick last April on outside linebacker Derek Rivers to add some punch to the pass rush. That's not going to happen now. He tore up a knee in the second preseason game. The Bengals also will open the season without its starting strong safety, Sean Williams, who dislocated his elbow in a game last weekend. Last summer, it was Pro Bowl quarterback Tony Romo of the Cowboys who went down in the preseason with an injury that eventually cost him his job, then his career. Two summers ago, it was Jordy Nelson, Aaron Rodgers' favorite target, who suffered a preseason injury that ended his season and changed Green Bay's Super Bowl chances. Owners love these games. It's money in the pocket. Coaches hate them. It's players leaving the active roster. An 18-game schedule can't get here soon enough for the owners, coaches, players, and fans. Well, Gooseman, will we come to the point where no starters play in exhibition games, and uh, and do they need to play? We're very close to that right now. You know, if, if and when the NFL goes to two exhibitions, you'll see starters play only two of the eight quarters the first half of the second game. Financially, the preseason, I, I think, is a necessary evil. But if I have a 40-year-old Tom Brady, I don't play him until September. The risk is too great. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Goose. And, and I heard you say players are at risk here. But if you trade one or two preseason games for one or two regular season games, you have an 18-game schedule, God almighty, they're going to be at risk there too. But more so, by the end of the season, they'll be dead tired and worn out. Well, the USFL did it. And it, the USFL was a pretty good league. And they won 18 games. Yeah, so I just it, think it's, it's been be, done. It's been done. I, I know, but I just think if you're a commissioner harping on you know safety, I think it's gonna be tough. Um, anyway, um, that's that makes me feel really good about the preseason. Wow, but one guy I actually do feel really good about is waiting to come on. That's former defensive tackle Bryant Young. He's coming on right after this. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, this is Greg Olson, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to GEICO than saving you money, GEICO also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the GEICO app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Hey, it's Jim. I can't take your call right now. I'm digging for oil in my basement to help pay for my family's mobile bill. A little crazy, you say? (laughs) You try getting a data plan that has enough gigs for my family. And I thought braces were expensive. We definitely need a switch. 
stuck in a dysfunctional family plan? Switch to Boost Best Family Plan right now and get four lines for just $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. With Metro PCS, you only get two gigs per line for the same price. Plus, switch today and get up to four free phones, all on the fast and reliable Sprint Nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 9 10, 17. Requires one line to port in. Lines include unlimited data, talk, and text. Video streams optimized at up to 480p plus resolution. Music up to 500 kilobits per second and cloud gaming up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization applies during congestion. Comparison based on Metro PCS's 2 gigabyte promo plan as of 4 17. For additional details, visit their website. Free phones while supplies last. Requires port in and activation on $100 plan. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. Wish summer would last forever? Ask Sherwin-Williams and save 30% on paints and stains during the endless summer sale, August 24th through September 4th. With colors like Picnic, Pressed Flower, and August Moon, you'll be surrounded by summer long after the leaves have changed. Your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams paint store is right around the corner. Find it at sherwinwilliams.com save. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. A good night's sleep starts with the right pillow. That's where MyPillow comes in, and now for a limited time, just go to MyPillow.com, click the Radio Listener Special tab, and use promo code SKY to get two premium king or queen pillows and two additional go-anywhere travel pillows, all for 50% off and free shipping. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SKY, or call 1-800-635-1825. 1-800-635-1825. Hi, Tom Bodette, trying to align my chakras around this hot yoga thing. Yeah, they finally found a way to make working out even more uncomfortable. Well, at least with Motel 6, you've got one less thing to sweat. They've got clean, comfortable, and now completely updated rooms at a great low price. So the only thing you're stretching is your dollar. Sounds like my kind of place to namaste. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light and the AC on for you. Book online at motel6.com. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. You play to win the game. Just a reminder, Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO, which is 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And Ron, how long ago should they have gone? 15 minutes ago, you'd be in Clover. You are correct, sir. Well, our next guest, he's already a Hall of Famer. And I mean it. He's a Hall of Fame individual who was one of the best, kindness, and most responsible players on the San Francisco 49ers when they were lapping the field in the 1990s. I'm talking about defensive tackle Bryant Young, whom I covered then, who's now the defensive line coach of the Atlanta Falcons, but who also was a magnificent player. So good. He was a four-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, member of the 1990s All-Decade Team and the NFL's 1999 Comeback Player of the Year. He has not, however, as Ron can attest, ever been a Hall of Fame semifinalist, let alone a finalist, and that's something we don't get. So you know what? We've asked him to come on here to help us try to understand. Hey, B.Y., great to speak with you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Clark. No problem. I, I, I mentioned, of course that you haven't been a Hall of Fame finalist or semifinalist, yet we had NFL historian John Turney, a pro football journal on here last week, telling us you were better at your position, he believes, than Hall of Famer Warren Sapp, who doesn't have as many career tackles for losses and only seven more sacks. So my question to you is this. Are you puzzled why your candidacy seems stuck 
in neutral? Uh, you know what? It's uh, it's a bit baffling when you look at the numbers and the uh, span of uh, my career. It's uh, you know, it makes you wonder, um, and all the things that you consider uh, in terms of character and representation of the game, and uh, just the impact you make on a team and an organization. I think I think it deserves to be talked about. That's why we're here, right, Ron? <laughs> exactly right. That's you're you're one of the people who are a reason for being. Actually, by <laughs> tell you the truth, in 1998, you were leading the entire league uh, at the defensive tackle position. You had nine and a half sacks before you had that devastating leg injury on on Monday Night Football that uh, everybody remembers against the Giants. Uh, if you hadn't been hurt, how do you think your career might have changed? And if you had led all defensive tackles and sacks that season, do you think your candidacy would be viewed? differently than it is uh possibly i, I think you know uh, in that year leading the league or the, the league in deep tackles with sacks and uh just i, I thought at that time you know that it was a, a, a for sure uh fit to be in a pro bowl uh, that year but obviously uh people ruled me out because of the injury and just uh you know assumed that i wasn't going to be able to play so didn't consider uh being voted in but you know that year was a, a special year um I did go down early, but I still thought that I deserved some, some credit for the year that, that was going on that year. I'm wondering how much you think the position you played is affecting uh, the you know your Hall of Fame status. The last defensive tackle to make, make it as a modern-era candidate was Cortez Kennedy, and that was five years ago, and, fr- and frankly, no one really saw that coming, although I was covering the Raiders when he first came in the league and sort of know how good he was. And then it took Curly Culp, the great nose tackle, uh, over 30 years. To, to get in the Hall of Fame. How much do you think it's the position uh, more than, than you? Uh, I think part of it's the position. I think part of it is the uh, the unknown, unknown stats that that, uh, that not are accumulated in terms of the impact on the game when you're you're doing your job in a, in a very uh, significant way that allows other people to do their jobs well. And uh, sometimes you're, you're the unsung hero when you're doing the dirty work. And so I think that also takes uh, consideration um, as well. So maybe it, it's the position. I'm not sure. I think, I think too, at, at, at one point I was listed as a defensive end. I, I consider myself an interior lineman, a D-tackle. Um, and so I don't know if that had anything to do with, um, with, with the steam rolling forward, but, but certainly I consider myself a D-tackle for sure. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't dare compete with a – you know, to all the other Hall of Fame candidates uh, and inductees at, at the defensive end position. We're speaking with former 49ers defensive tackle, not defensive end, defensive tackle, Bryant Young on the Talk of Fame Network. And you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at Talk of Fame Net. And BY, since you mentioned those unknown stats at your position, what do you think is the most significant stat for a defensive tackle? Sacks, tackles for well, losses, think- forced fumbles, what? Well, I think uh, sacks are a big part of it. You know, you look at the numbers, and, of course, that's the first thing that jump out uh, in terms of, uh, you know, consideration and, and the impact that you're making on the game. But but also there are, you know, other stats that should go along with that, tackles as well, and, and um, you know, pressures. Uh, I think at one time I, I led the league in almost sacks uh, for a number of years. <laughs> if, that's, if that's ever a stat. <laughs> uh, like almost, I'm getting there. Then I slip and fall, or or he throws the ball. But uh, but uh, but yeah, there's a lot of things that that go into that. But I think sacks uh, is a big big number that people consider. Well, one stat that not many people realize that you hold, and in um, a record that you hold, 
but it's the 49ers franchise record for most career safeties with three, and that's more than, of course, mm-hmm. our friend Warren Sapp. Um, is that more a matter of simply being in the right place at the right time, or is it something deeper than that? Well, I think it's a combination of that and then understanding um, the play, the importance of the play and trying to make something happen. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate in my career to, to have three, uh, two in one year. And so, um, but yeah, that's, that's one stat that's hard to accumulate. But when you have your opportunities, you certainly want to capitalize on them. I wanted to ask you for your expertise sort of uh, at the position, uh, Brian, on, on another guy who's going to be coming up and a guy that I covered his whole, most of his career, Richard Seymour here in New England. I remember once, uh, you know, he was a two-gap in defensive tackle most of his career here, and his stats are limited. And I remember one time after a game, uh, Belichick, somebody asked Belichick a question about some player, what he had done in the game, and Belichick said the best player on the field was Richard Seymour. He dominated the game. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the stats. He had yeah. no tackles, no assists, no sacks, no pro- – you know, if you didn't know better, you'd say he wasn't in the game. How do yeah. you – look at him what do you think of him if at all and and how can you make a case for a guy who a coach can say his greatest game is when he appeared to do nothing but obviously he did a ton absolutely that that's uh, what i was alluding to earlier just in terms of you know those uh games where you don't have a big statistical game but certainly your impact on the game was very important um because it allows your teammates uh, to make the plays that they're supposed to make and being disruptive and uh, being where you're supposed to be is just as important as making a big play. And uh, so you can have a huge impact on the game in that way. Was that ever difficult for you to do? Because I've talked to Seymour about it a number of times, and he, you know, look, I know he's a human being. You know, he'd like to have a lot of sacks, and he knows if he was in a different defense, he would have had a lot of sacks. But I always used to tell me Mm -hmm. the the stat is winning. And if what I'm doing – is allowing other guys to do things that maybe they couldn't do otherwise and were winning. That's the idea. How hard is that for a player, uh, do you think, to accept that? Well, I think you have to sometimes put your uh, self kind of uh, behind. The team comes first, and, and if you're winning, I think that becomes so important. And uh, But also doing your job in an effective manner to help your team win, that's, that's very critical. So uh, the impact you have on the game, it may, might not, may not be rewarded in the way that, you, uh, that you're getting all the stats, but certainly you're making a huge contribution to your team winning. We're speaking with former 49ers defensive tackle and now Atlanta Falcons defensive line coach Bryant Young on the Talk of Fame Network. And you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at, at talkoffamenet. And B.Y., I know this is going to be a hard one for you to answer. Because uh, knowing you over the years, you're soft-spoken, you're also self-effacing, you want to talk about other people, but I'm going to ask you now to talk about yourself. If you had to stand in front of the Hall of Fame voters tomorrow and say, this is why I should be in the Hall of Fame, or at the very least, this is why you should give me consideration for the Hall of Fame, what would you tell them? Well, I think the numbers over the years uh, are definitely a huge consideration and the impact on the game, the organization. And um, and then also, you know, ask uh, the, the teammates, the guys that I play with, the impact that and the importance of the job that I, I was able to do that helped them in a, in a manner. Then I think and also, also you, you poll and ask those that I played against and what they thought um, as, as a player. And so in, in terms of just playing the game, the intensity and, and uh, being able to, to affect the game, you know, from start to finish, I think 
uh, that that's something you really have to take into consideration. And, and uh, you know, certainly your opponents, you know, those are the ones who can tell you the most telling stories uh, in terms of type of player and, and what he uh, brought to the game and how he affected the game. So uh, for me, I would say, you know, it may not be the number, may not have gotten the number of Pro Bowls that I deserve. Uh, I think at times there were, uh, I may have been slighted at times uh, because I'm such a, a, a selfless person and I'm not going to be the one to jump out there at you at times. But certainly right. I think um, also I, I think you have to give uh, credit where credit is due in terms of just the impact and and the, um, the importance of how uh, one has represented the league and the organization and uh, the type of player. That, that I was. Well, you mentioned some of the guys you said you played against. You should speak to them, and I think you're absolutely right. Who was the toughest one you had to face and why? Who was the toughest blocker, whatever, you had to face? I don't care if it was tackle, guard, center, tight end, that you had to face, and, and why? There are times that Larry Allen and I, we uh, lined up against each other and we butted heads, uh, but he played the left side, and I was mostly the left side, so from time to time we we uh, meet uh, I remember he was playing right guard, and, and I think he played a little tackle. And so we had some battles early on in our career. And certainly, uh, you know, that was those were games where you come out like, boy, that was a, that was a tough battle. But uh, he's one guy that comes up that I really respect and uh, just the way he played the game. And, and there are a number of guys, too. Um, you know, uh, early in my career, I played against Damani Dawson, uh, center for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was uh, pretty good. And... Um, I knew that, you know, playing against him, I had to be technically sound and just uh, be on my P's and Q's that day. And certainly uh, guys like him and uh, Larry, they challenge you to, to be the best. And uh, there are a number of other guys, too, that um, that, that brought out the best in you and uh, had some great competition against. Brian, I always like to ask defensive players this, this question. Who is the hardest guy or the, or the guy you'd like to tackle the least? I remember talking uh, one time, uh, to a guy who was telling the story about Earl Campbell, and he got halfway through it. He said, you know, my jaw hurts right now just talking about tackling <laughs> tackling Earl Campbell, let alone tackling him. Was there a guy yeah, that yeah. sticks out in your mind and say, man, that guy was tough to bring down? You know what? One of the toughest runners that I faced was Emmett Smith. And uh, <laughs> we had some battles with the Cowboys, and we knew that what type of runner he was. But Emmett was uh, just a hard downhill runner, and uh, when you when you went to wrap him or tackle him, you had to bring everything you you had. Um, really uh, loved competing against him. But the other guy that was just so elusive uh, was Barry Sanders because uh, he'd make nothing. He makes something out of nothing, and uh, <laughs> you just knew you had to, you know, be you know physically fit and ready to compete that day because this guy was going to give you everything he got. And uh, he'll make stuff up on a dime now. There was once a guy, Bryant, for the Patriots when I was covering him, who literally missed him three times on the same play. He was even <laughs> laughing about it after yeah. the game was fit. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't tackle him no matter what happened. Oh, uh, it was great. <laughs> it a happens. Lot of good runners over the years. He, he made know, a lot I, of people look what, bad. Adrian Peterson, I'll tell you what, he's a, I faced him a couple times. He's a pretty tough runner now. Uh, you, you allow him to get going now. He'll, he can run through you if you allow him to. Bryant Young, thanks so much for the time, and best of luck with the Hall of Fame candidacy. Thanks a lot, Clark. Thank you. You got it, B.Y. That was former defensive tackle Bryant Young. And, Ronnie, uh, what do you think his chances are of being a semifinalist? Maybe this year. 
Well, I think they're probably pretty tough. Uh, you got a lot of people that come on the committee that probably don't remember them. If you, if you do some research, you, you, it's hard to find stats, and so you got you got to dig deeper. I think it's going to be tough for them. Well, I know what I remember. we got an ad coming up, and it is coming up right after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Oh, my goodness. I am tired of being known only as the guy who turns into a werewolf at the full moon. There's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Sure, they could save you money, but Geico also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. So you know people love them. And yeah, I become a man beast once a month, but I become the world's greatest crepe chef every single Saturday morning. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Well, I know that whistle means uh, we're either running out of time or, Ron, it might mean that your son was offsides in hockey. Uh, Okay, guys, here we go. Frank Serpico is now defending Colin Kaepernick. Which one will be in witness protection longer? Don't know. Don't care. We saw Serpico last week. We still haven't seen Colin. Roger Goodell just got a new five-year contract extension. Has anyone told Jerry Jones and Bob Kraft? Didn't have to, Ron. They know Roger makes them money. The ownership vote to approve the contract is now 30-2. to two. Bob Kraft has now given Super Bowl rings to Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. Should Robert Mueller be investigating Ringgate? Nope, not until one goes to Steve Bannon. Maybe Robert ought to start handing them out to members of the Hall of Fame Contributor Committee. Ooh, I like that. I like it. Seattle kicker Blair Walsh taunted his former Viking teammates after making a field goal in an exhibition game. Should kicker taunting be banned? No, not unless your name is Gero Yapremian. Did the Vikings taunt Walsh when he missed his first try of the game? Witnesses say Jay Cutler looked quote-unquote fresh during Dolphin practices with the Eagles. When will somebody say he looks good? When that somebody is St. Peter. I'm guessing fresh will have to suffice for the next five months. Will the Jacksonville Jaguars cut former number one pick Blake Bortles? Nope, not smart enough. When someone better comes along to replace him? NFLPA head Demoris Smith says there will be a lockout or a strike in 2021. Is he looking for trouble or is trouble already brewing? Ronnie, D is the NFL's answer to Conor McGregor, fighting a losing battle before the fight. He's looking for some job security. He needs a mulligan from the last CBA. Seahawks coach Pete Carroll had Allen Iverson address the Seahawks at practice. We're talking about practice. <laughs> what was Pete thinking? He wasn't. That's why Iverson was there. <laughs> Pete must be thinking the Seahawks are good enough now that they no longer need any practice. Robert Aguayo's first kick in Chicago was a 49-yard miss. How many more before he's missing? Uno. The guy has more swings and misses than Aaron Judge. Agree. One. The first one he misses that cost the Bears a game in the regular season. We want to thank Harry Carson, Bryant Young, Smokey Stover, and Ken Summers for joining us. But most of all, we want to thank Derek Burns for producing us the past two and a half years. Big D and AZ, we're going to miss you. And maybe, just maybe, you'll miss us. If you'd like to listen to this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkoffavenetwork.com, or find us on iTunes or your podcast app. Otherwise, look for us on this station and on this at this time next week. Derek won't be here, but we will. Hope you will be here. Welcome to Geico's Motorcycle Meanderings. Oh, man, this is great. I sure saved a lot of money by switching to Geico. 
scored some big savings, and now I can use their mobile app 24-7 for all sorts of stuff. Life just makes sense now. You know what doesn't make sense? If a car is called a horseless carriage, why isn't a motorcycle called a horseless horse? Hmm. Maybe it would just be adding insult to injury for the out-of-work horses. Geico Motorcycle. Savings that make sense. There's people who care where I'm going And good friends who welcome me home So get a fourth hang of freedom Drive the American road And with a fourth hang of freedom Find your own highway We'll take you wherever you go Marathon, fueling the American spirit Hey, it's Jim can't take your call right now. I'm digging for oil in my basement to help pay for my family's mobile bill. A little crazy, you say? <laughs> you try getting a data plan that has enough gigs for my family. And I thought braces were expensive. We definitely need a switch. Stuck in a dysfunctional family plan? Switch to Boost Best Family Plan right now and get four lines for just $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. With Metro PCS, you only get two gigs per line for the same price. Plus, switch today and get up to four free phones, all on the fast and reliable Sprint Nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 9 10, 17. Requires one line to port in. Lines include unlimited data, talk, and text. Video streams optimized at up to 480p plus resolution. Music up to 500 kilobits per second and cloud gaming up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization applies during congestion. Comparison based on Metro PCS's 2 gigabyte promo plan as of 4 17 For additional details, visit their website. Free phones while supplies last. Requires port in and activation on $100 plan. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply.